to discuss the real issues affecting Australia and New Zealand, this is Trad Tasman Talk, jointly produced by the Unshackled.net and the Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry Show. Now, here are Tim Wilms and Stephen Berry, live from Melbourne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Trad Tasman Talk on this Friday, the 13th of May 2022. I'm Tim Wilms, Editor-in-Chief of The Unshackled here in Melbourne, where it is 6 p.m. And I'm Stephen Berry from the Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry Show, also here in Melbourne. Um, and next week, I'm actually starting a new show that will be called The Stephen Inquisition. Uh, a few very simple rules. I'll interview anybody at all about anything whatsoever they want to discuss. Um, I'll also give them the chance to say what they absolutely don't want to discuss because, you know, it could go messy otherwise. And um, during that hour, I'll attempt to destroy their argument, whatever it is, and who knows how that could go. So that will be starting. First episode will be this Tuesday, uh, 7 p.m. Melbourne time, 9 p.m. New Zealand time. You're uh, going to have a go at uh, being Ben Shapiro is basically the premise of the show. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Because um, I imagine it's going to be very unlikely that many people will want to have an interview about stuff that I actually agree with. But um, it would also be interesting if they did, because I wouldn't mind having a go at the devil's advocate role as well. Uh, hello to everyone in the, the live chats. Uh, we're live uh, as always, uh, when it's uh, myself, Tim, and Stephen hosting the show on the Unshackled YouTube channel and the Mr. Barry, Mr. Barry YouTube channel, which is uh, where you'll find uh, Stephen's uh, new program as well. And also I've put the, the link into the Entropy uh, interactive software uh, where you can send through a quest direct question there, or even better yet, send through a super chat. Uh, Crescio says, uh, why is uh, Trad Tasman Talk still at uh, 720p? Do you want us in full HD or even 4K? Uh, the, the current uh, streaming plan that we're on only allows uh, 720p, uh, but we're both only on, for the moment, webcams, so it's not really worth it at the moment going full HD, but it's on the on the on the list of upgrades and you've already got uh started a most impressive upgrade today haven't you oh well i set up uh, it arrived today my stream deck uh, which is a hotkey uh, system uh, so rather than having to use my mouse all the time it doesn't do all the things that i that i hoped uh to do uh but uh, it certainly is is going to assist uh, from somewhat. So for example, a, well, a share our first news item here. Oh, that's not working. <laughs> oh, now it will. No, it won't. Here we go. Yes, so in over in New Zealand, uh, there's going to be Chris Hipkins, uh, your uh, what is it, COVID-19 minister announced that there's going to be a, a new uh, voluntary vaccine pass system because you have some 
businesses and uh, employers over there are still keen to uh, have a vac their own vaccine passes or, or mandates and a new personal vaccine history journal because uh, everyone's encouraged to get their flu jabs uh, coming into uh, winter and uh, well there's going to be all sorts of of new uh vaccines to, to come in the years there's talk of a moderna mrna hiv uh preventative uh vaccine yeah what a complete waste of money i think um considering the compulsory one was so inefficient and it ran weeks behind schedule etc and you know every on the whole i think most people have just had enough now and they want to get on with their lives um, I can't see very many businesses taking this um, new vaccine uh, pass up and, yeah, really unimpressed. And Jesus, why would we want to have two, a compulsory one and a voluntary one? Oh, well, Jacinta has got rid of the uh, the compulsory vaccine passport uh, system, though she's still got the 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 nation at traffic light orange, which means masks in retail and what is that hairdressers and beauty uh but only for staff at hospitality but not for uh for customers so i remember when you got here uh just over a year ago uh you the the, the masks were new to you but if you're still living and working in new zealand uh the, the the muzzle would still be on you yeah that's that's right so uh well new, i've always thought that new zealand was a bit backward and behind the rest of the world on just about every single trend. So why wouldn't masks be any different? Um, I never wore one in New Zealand because they were never made compulsory and I didn't have to use a shitty bus at the time. Um, but yeah, having to come to Melbourne and wear one all the time, even outside was really crap. Yeah. But, and uh, it worked out. It has worked out. <laughs> had uh, no uh, benefit because... The, the risk of transmission outside is extremely, extremely, extremely low. And, uh, well, we've learnt that basically cloth masks, uh, surgical masks don't work. Only properly fitted uh, N95 respirators uh, work, which obviously the, 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 the masks and uh, the call for uh well uh reinstatement of mask mandates it's more just about uh compliance and showing that uh oh we care uh, because uh, even though and it's clear the politicians in australia uh have uh are picking this up in their uh secret polling is that uh, australians uh, are over it they're uh, obviously they're still testing themselves i mean in victoria there's ten thousand positive rats reported every day but uh, they're happy to uh, live with it uh, i know with uh, winter winter is coming the the lockdown lovies they they won't quite advocate for a lockdown but they'll certainly say oh we need you know to to bring back measures where yeah, we need to work from home some more but yes, um, and, uh, given how much I had to c continually lift the mask back over my giant nose when I was at work, you talk to people, it slips down, you do a little bit of work, it slips down. I mean, I would have had germs all over my hands anyway. It's just completely useless. And uh, New Zealand is also not fully open to the world. Uh, Jacinta Ardern uh, this week said that uh, the full international border will re reopen because it's only open to Australian and New Zealanders July 31 
uh, even though I don't know what's the purpose of having the the uh, the, the the borders closed to to most of the world, given that. Well, Australia and New Zealand uh, are basically recording the same amount of cases and uh, deaths like per capita every day. Well, maybe it's because the um, brain drain has um, started all over again, uh, basically when it became easier for New Zealanders to get back into the country and to leave the country. So uh, I guess probably first and foremost, she's trying to make sure that they, they could still be enticed back. Uh, but Labor's also uh, focusing on trying to attract skilled labour back into the country. Um, I don't know how it's actually going to achieve that, given how poor wages are in New Zealand compared to the rest of the world. Uh, we had this week uh, Bill Shorten, a former Labor opposition leader, test positive. And just today, our Chief Health Officer, Brett Sutton, test uh, positive, who said on Twitter he has a nasty bout and uh, it feels like there's razor blades in his throat and a heavy cough. And he said, oh, thankfully, I'm triple vaccinated. Otherwise, it would have been uh, much worse. And of course, he's one of the biggest mask zealots uh, that uh, there is. So he was so careful all the time but still got COVID and well given that he what is it ripped his shirt off to get his flu jab to show like what is it how fit he was for his age how come it's so bad is COVID <laughs> sorry I just lost a thought there when you mentioned him ripping a shirt off Carmela Harris has had two booster shots and she's caught it so she's had four shots and she's caught it it always seems to me that uh, the people who are so careful uh, when they get it, it seems to be like really bad for them. It could be because one of the uh, the, the things that uh, is uh, going to be concerning this winter is because uh, uh, people have weakened immune systems because they're wearing masks and uh, social distancing, uh, they're more likely to pick up uh, if not COVID, uh, influenza, or all the other uh, respiratory viruses. We had a bad outbreak of RSV in Australia and New Zealand last winter. Hmm. And the flu is actually the only thing I've been able to catch this entire period for a couple of times in the last six months. But uh, COVID, don't do, any, don't do anything more than I legally required, and I still never catch it. Yeah, you do. Uh, there's a lot of people doing everything wrong and still not getting COVID. <laughs> they must hate us. Uh, Western Australia, their well, uh, their COVID uh, numbers are rocketing. They hit a peak of uh, seventeen thousand uh, new cases on on Wednesday, which is the equivalent of fifty one thousand new cases in New South Wales per capita, and that's obviously because they are an uh, immune, uh, they're immune naive uh, population to uh, COVID and they're obviously their hospitalizations are close to 300 with COVID and uh, but their ICUs there's only about seven in with COVID. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the COVID alarmists are saying we're losing uh, like there's uh, 50 people dying with COVID every day. It's like a jumbo jet crashing and everyone dying on it uh, per week. Uh, but of course we have to remember that there are people dying with COVID, not quite yeah. from, but definitely with. And a lot of them are over uh, 70. And obviously as uh, 
uh, one of the uh, New Zealand COVID deaths that uh, man shot dead in the street during Auckland's gangland war showed he was counted as a COVID death. COVID doesn't have to be uh, the contributing factor uh, to their uh, death, but it's still recorded on the death certificate. Yeah, and uh, um, I guess what we're going to learn at the end of all of this is that people die. Yes, so we haven't had a we haven't had found a cure for old age. Like, no, exactly. We'd all like to live forever. We'd all like our grandparents and great grandparents to still be with us, but uh, it's just a, a a part of reality that humans die. All beings on this earth uh, die. I mean, even the sun is going to die eventually, but not for a few, what is it, a billion years or something. A few more billion years to go, yeah. But, I mean, 100 years ago, we weren't even living to the ages that we are now, so we would have been dead before we caught COVID. Uh, now, is up in uh, nor uh, Northeast Asia, uh, they're uh, they're adopting the uh, uh, Dan Andrews and Jacinta Ardern uh, style uh, lockdowns. Uh, Kim Jong Un in North Korea. They uh, uh, yesterday there was the the first confirmed case of uh, of COVID in uh, Pyongyang, and so Kim Jong Un announced a total national lockdown. Uh, that's what Jacinta Ardern did when uh, Delta arrived uh, last uh, August, uh, but like uh, Jacinta, uh, Kim Jong-un, well, he's already uh, uh, lost control. So there's, what is it, 18,000 new uh, COVID cases today, going from one mystery case to 18,000. That's quite a lot. Uh, six deaths. And what is it? They've, they've reported also 350,000, what is it, fever-like uh uh, people infected with like a fever since April. So, yes, uh, the the short shot over the whole time. Really, it's just um, now the North Korean government's actually admitting to it. Um, but there's certainly been uh, much greater restrictions on the border this year with China for. Well, well, well and much much greater restrictions on their way of life since pretty much uh, the end of the, 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 the Second World War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just business as usual in North Korea. Yeah, but, um, well, uh, business as usual, uh, even though they've got, what is it, a national em emergency, uh, they still had time to fire three ballistic missiles into the Sea of Japan uh, overnight. And uh, we also had a, a Kim Jong-un, uh, also uh, stopped by in, in Melbourne today. He made an appearance at an event uh, with uh, uh, Scott Morrison, was again appearing with the Liberal uh, member for Chisholm, uh, Gladys Liu. And so uh, uh, Kim Jong-un uh, turned up. Australia, thank you very much. Gladys Liu is the communist candidate. Australia, I'm going to ask her... Excuse me, you are going to have to this is the most offensive thing I've ever seen in a campaign. Excuse you need me, to, this is you don't tell us the Supreme Leader what to do. I support Gladys Lee, she supports Xi Jinping, and now she's going to support the North Korean regime. So thank you very much, all for coming, for supporting this great, great candid
by my alias, Howard X. Okay? However, you can call me the leader. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Who are you, sir? Are you a union member? It's not good enough. I mean, who do you represent? Who are you? I represent the DTRK, the Democratic. Uh, sir, that's not good enough. Just tell us. All right, it is good are. enough. Who are you? Who are you? I'm Stephen Evans. I'm a journalist. I'm asking you, who okay, are you? Okay, tell me your family, where they live, and the routes to work. To and from work, okay? And we'll get you taken care of. Okay, I'll, t I'll tell you if you tell us who you are. Who I am? I'm Kim Jones. Come on, it's pretty no, you're obvious. Not. You're not. Oh, okay. you're, you're a I doubt religion. it. I'll doubt, I'll doubt, I doubt that. Anyway, watch out. Thank you very much. That's quite good. He looks a lot like him. That's a great impersonator. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure if that was the the business owner there, that 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 guy who claimed is the most offensive thing that uh, he, he's seen. Like that's a that's the most uh, hilarious gate crash we've seen during this uh, federal election campaign because uh, a lot of them. He's never seen a Hitler impersonator, obviously. Like a lot of the what is it gate crashes of the the prime minister or opposition leader are being quite nasty, but that's just a traditional uh satirist uh turning up uh, turning up there i think later in the day he met up with dan andrews for some uh, lockdown uh tips and also uh to borrow his uh, north face uh jacket for his uh press conferences <laughs> oh that was very impressive and uh we've also uh, over in uh, the people's republic of china uh they're apparently uh, going to introduce a, even more restrictions in uh, Shanghai where, well, they've managed to get case numbers down, but they're far from eliminating the virus. Uh, Xi Jinping uh, is uh, adamant that COVID zero is here to stay. So uh, this involves commercial food deliveries uh, uh, are, not, are not allowed and access to hospitals uh, for all but emergencies must be uh, approved first. So, yes, uh, they're even restricting uh, food deliveries to some uh, apartment uh, co uh, complexes for a number of days. Uh, Shanghai is now in its seventh week of its citywide restrictions, uh, what, uh, what used to be called here a short, sharp lockdown. And is there any prospect of it ending? Um, I don't know. Well, they, what is it, recorded about 2,000 new cases in, in Shanghai uh, today. There's still a, there, there, there's still some uh, lockdown uh, lovers who are prepared to uh, defend uh, China and North Korea that uh, they're doing it because they, they really care about their, uh, their people. <laughs> It's just, uh, well, it's fascinating to me that after they had about 5,000 deaths uh, in 2020, the, then the needle just never moved for at least a year. Um, and now they're shutting down all of Shanghai. Yes, and this is what we found out with uh, Australia's COVID zero approach in uh and New Zealand's approach in 2020, 2021. COVID zero is great when there's there's none about until there is some, then it's just uh, another lockdown, short, sharp, and then it goes for weeks and weeks. 
Yep, and it's uh, the worst part is the economic devastation that it creates across most industries and affecting most people. I mean, I was lucky to be working in supermarkets at the time, so I I, I actually made more money as a result of um, getting paid during the lockdown, but um, I counted myself very lucky. Now, it's supposed to be for our, our health, these lockdowns, but the, the Shanghai lockdown is resulting in critical medicines not getting to Australia. Uh, who, who knew that by uh, stopping people from uh, working that it would lead to supply shortages even of, uh, of critical uh, medications and uh, medical products and uh, devices? Yeah, and we've also um, wiped out um, trading with Russia as well, which is also going to have impacts on oil prices, and it is, um, and the impact on the Ukraine as well, which is actually quite an economic breadbasket of many goods, such as wheat, um, will also impact that situation. Uh, we have in the, the, the chat here uh, Filthy's uh, News Corner, uh, so hello, uh, Filthy. He spent uh, around about five months in in prison uh, for various uh, what is it a, a politically uh, offensive uh, remarks he made on social media. Wow. Now we'll move on to well, uh, what's the, uh, the the main focus here uh, in Australia, and that is the uh, federal election campaign. Uh, so eight days until uh, election day, though a lot of Australians are already voting early. Uh, early voting started on on Monday. There's this huge trend for um early voting and like there's record early votes so far and also postals as well i don't know why like people would still get a postal vote um like do boomers is it is who are scared of covid still do that yeah i mean how postal voting wouldn't have been a thing in australia all this time would it it's always been a it's a, it's always been an option postal voting, and if you catch COVID on say uh, the uh, fr- uh, Friday the twentieth and you haven't voted, there's now a a a phone voting option on election day. So because oh yeah. wow, that sounds messy as hell. Um, advanced voting um, would have started in New Zealand, I think, three elections ago. And every single election, um, the proportion of people voting in advance has just grown and grown. Um, it probably will soon overtake election day voting. And uh, Australia would be the same? Yes. And uh, as far as I know, that they are going to count the early votes on election night. Uh, I think they have to wait like a, a week uh, for the last postals to come in. I mm. hope we're not in a situation like uh, the US presidential election in uh, 2020, when the election count just stopped in the the key uh, swing states when Trump uh, was ahead. And then overnight, uh, they all flipped with all the, the mail-in ballots coming in and Biden was way ahead. Yeah, that was weird. I remember covering that in a live stream on 
the election night and very conf confidently going to bed and saying Trump's won it. Yeah, we, uh, we were doing a live uh, on our uh, Uncuckables uh, program, which uh, was, was air, when it was on air at the time. And like, we definitely thought Trump had, had won it, but then we saw the votes had stopped and we're like, hang on, something's up here. And yeah, when uh, I did Wilmsfront uh, a few hours later and yeah, it flipped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that looks suspect as hell, especially when you consider that more votes have been cast in that election than any, any other election in US history. But anyway, I digress. It's, that's not going to go anywhere. Uh, so you've done a, another Mr. Berry uh, poll of polls. And uh, this week, uh, the you should explain the, what is it, the formula uh, that you use uh, for uh, crunching all these polls, uh, because... Uh, the YouGov uh, poll uh, that you've consolidated, that uses a, what is it, a new method of, of polling, uh, individual uh, seats cross-reference with the census data. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of these are more online than they are phone and, um, you know, in different proportions. So the poll, uh, each of these pollsters uh, use different methods anyway. And I, my view on polling is that um, individual polls in themselves aren't particularly useful because um, some of them are prone to erratic spikes. Um, Roy Morgan's notorious for that. Um, we're yeah. seeing the same thing in New Zealand with um, not just Roy Morgan, but also uh, the Courier poll, which started about six months ago and has incredibly huge spikes. So what the poll of polls does is takes the most recent polls in a period. Um, for the Australian ones, I'm doing it each week, uh, just due to the uh, large volume of polls there are in Australia. In New Zealand, we might get four four polls a month, so I use the um, last five in there. But this essentially is an average of all uh, the most recent polls uh, put together to smooth it out a bit. And so if we compare the numbers that are showing up here, um, they uh, compared to the last poll of polls, which was done on the show on Friday last week. So the Labour Party is only up 0.2% on last week's poll of polls at 35.7%. Uh, the Liberal National Coalition, um, which was not moving much at all early in the election is actually starting to really slip down to 33.4. Uh, that's down 1.6 on last week, and it was also down on the week before. Uh, the Greens are steady on 12.3. Uh, One Nation's on 4.3%. Uh, that's up 0.3 on last week. United Australia Party has slipped half a percent on last week, down to 3%, and then all the independents and the others are at 9.9%, which is up one6 um, I would love it if, were it possible to actually go into further detail and look at the support of particular other minor parties. But unfortunately, on the whole, opinion polls in Australia just don't don't publicise those numbers, and so it's simply not possible. And there'll be another round of polling released on the the weekend, uh, most notably News Poll, which is uh, released on. Sunday night. I'm not sure if there'll be another Resolve uh, monitor in the age and the, the City Morning Herald. We haven't had a Guardian Essential uh, for a while. Uh, but uh, yeah, there is still, uh, obviously, more polling taking place than, than ever before. And 
a, a focus of the, the the mainstream media has been on the uh, inner city uh, liberal uh, seats, uh, which the Teal Independents, uh, Climate 200, Simon Holmes Court Independents, some are now calling them the the, the Simon Says uh, independence. So, Treasurer and Deputy Liberal Leader Josh Frydenberg, he's uh, he's uh, firmly uh, back in uh, Kuyong uh, on the ground uh, on the pre-poll booth uh, every day, fighting it for his uh, political survival. Because uh, Dr. Monique Ryan, uh, his teal challenger, is in with a in with a re relatively good chance of upsetting him. Yeah, so the um, two-party preferred on the independent candidate and um, Josh Frydenberg is now 53 to 47 in favour of Monique Ryan. Um, the Greens will also be have quite a significant impact on the result of this seat too. Um, they had about 21% of first preference votes in 2019. It is a different candidate this time around, so I don't know what sort of impact that's going to have. Um, but, I mean, when you consider that the Independent and the Green are running on some pretty radical uh, environmental policies, um, the potential that they will preference each other sufficiently to knock out Frydenberg is there, though I, I think uh, he will hold on to the seat. Um, I'm predicting I'm going to go against you. I'm going to predict uh, an upset. I think Frydenberg will will lose uh, because uh, I think he's too uh, close to uh, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who uh, is uh, extremely uh, uh, personally uh, unpopular. Uh, mm. A lot of voters are... Just yeah, including me, are just sick of the sight of him. His lies and his uh, spin and his shirking of uh, responsibilities. But the thing is, that doesn't mean that the voters want elbow. And Scott Morrison has tried to during the campaign say, "You may not like me, but you know, you know what I'm about. Uh, you've seen what my government uh, does, and his strategy has been." Uh, better the devil you know rather than the devil that uh, you don't know. And uh, today, uh, after uh, Kim Jong-un uh, had left and he did the press conference uh, with Gladys Liu, uh, he uh, unveiled his, uh, this is crikey, is Bernard Keane, who is a, a bit of a, I'd say, leftist meanie, but he's sort of spot on uh, with this analysis here, ScoMo 2.0. In the campaign's dying days, Morrison tries the real Julia tactic, which was in 2010 uh, when Julia Gillard blew uh, Labor's uh, majority. Uh, so he said today, you know, over the last three years, and particularly the last two, what Australians have, have needed from me going through this pandemic has been the strength and resilience. Now, I admit that hasn't enabled Australians to see a lot of other gears in that way that I work. And I know Australians what that I can be a bit of a bulldozer when it comes to issues. I suspect you guys know that too. That doesn't uh, that doesn't mean because as we go into the next period on the other side of this election, I know that there are things that are going to have to change with the way I do things. Oh, that almost sounds like it's a concession speech, doesn't it? Well, uh, the, the real the, the real Julia makeover, that was catastrophic to, to her campaign. And so... I, I don't think this will help Scott Morrison either. It's basically 
like a last minute sort of rebrand like oh, i can change yeah i i I thought he might hold on a few weeks ago i mean the polls have been very um static actually very little change at all but um in the last couple of weeks that has uh actually changed quite significantly um we saw the top two parties actually just neck and neck on uh first preference votes uh, for several weeks but uh, there's a definite trend in the last two weeks away from uh the liberals and i Sorry to say, I think that Labour could actually take it this time. I mean, yeah, the 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 Liberal uh, uh, coalition government—they're they're just promising or just their you know the 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 stable uh, you know party that we've been over the past nine years. They're not uh, promising any uh, significant economic reform. Certainly, uh, there's uh, they're not going to. Uh, legislate to you know, increase Australians' freedoms. In fact, they're, they're going to pass laws like that, uh, such as enabling the e-safety commissioner to take things down uh, online. Uh, but uh, the thing is that uh, uh, if uh, uh, what uh, people like uh, Christina Keneally uh, have said and uh, well, what Dan Andrews has legislated during his time as Victorian Premier, Labor will have a, a much greater 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 attack on uh, individual freedom and of course they're not to be trusted on national security and on border security yeah if, if we were going to um, choose this election based on the devil we know then I would hope that Scott Morrison would win it um, but yeah that's not out of any enthusiasm or uh, genuine support for him it's only because he really is uh, a less bad option than Albanese um, and uh, I've been investigating these marginal seats over the last week um, I think I, there's probably more that I've got to go through this is this is a project in the works um, but so far um, having a look at the marginal seats and their histories over the last 20 years um, I would say there's about five or six that Labour um, can take um, in the selection, including uh, Bass and Boothby from Tasmania, which are both um, notoriously um, marginal flip-flop seats. Um, Gladys Liu does not look safe in Chisholm at all. Um, I think she will lose that. And then if we were looking at um, Cap Capricornia, which is in Queensland, yeah, I, that's in central uh, Queensland. I don't, it doesn't look like that Labor will win any of those central Queensland seats like Flynn or Capricornia, but they might pick up Leichhardt in... Uh, yeah, sorry, I was looking at the wrong the wrong line there. My apologies. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a number in Queensland which I think they can pick up, and Leichhardt, as you said, is definitely a possibility. The... There's, uh, uh, one of the the commenters said, "What's why they called uh, teal uh, independence? That's because they use the the teal colour on their election uh, materials. So obviously, the battle for Kuyong is the the most intense since uh, Josh Frydenberg is the deputy leader and treasurer. But uh, Tim Wilson, moderate liberal uh, in Goldstein, uh, it's he's." Uh, in a fierce battle with uh, Zoe Daniel, former 
ABC journalist, uh, but the what is that? It was the YouGov poll that said that uh, the moderate inner city liberals, Dave Sharma and Wentworth, up against Allegra Spender and uh, Trent Zimmerman in, in North Sydney. I can't remember the teal that he's up against uh, uh, doing doing much better. And yeah, Dave, an... Dave Sharma looks pretty safe. Um, Tim Wilson. It's looking a lot closer, but uh, I think he will hold on as well. Um, but the other one you mentioned, um, not not so much. The uh, one of the the most marginal seats in New South Wales is Reed, which is held by uh, Dr. Fiona Martin, and uh, there was a, a candidates uh, debate between her and her uh, Labor opponent Sally uh, Sutto on. Uh, 2GB with with Ben Fordham, and uh, she seemed to confuse uh, Sally with a, another uh, Asian Australian Labor uh, uh, Labor candidate. And I just want to know, I didn't I didn't want to raise this, but I chose to live in this electorate because I love the community. Because you found son. an opportunity, and you couldn't run in Fowler. Christina Keneally kicked you out of Fowler too. Now she's just making things. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, embarrassing uh, for <laughs> Fiona Martin. Basically, it's sort of uh, she, yeah, she sort of time warped into what is it uh, a nineteen eighties uh, what is it uh, Australian? You'd say what would you say uh, when Australia was was first uh, uh, first had mass Asian uh, immigration? A lot of us, a lot of uh, uh, white Australians believe that uh, all Asians uh, look the same uh, because uh, Lena Keneally uh, bumped off uh, another another uh, Asian Australian local Labor uh, to Lee, and she's got a similar name to the uh, Asian Australian Independent running against uh, Christina Keneally, Di Lee. So there's, I, I yeah. Yeah, there's definitely there's... really awkward. I mean, you could you could try so hard to um, think and express all the right words, um, but if you get uh, Asian candidates' name mixed up with another one, that's very difficult to recover from. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's been accused, Fiona Martin, of uh, not giving a a proper uh, apology. They both are. Uh, like turned up in the same 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 coloured outfit. I mean, yeah, I was struggling to work out which one was with which party. Um, they both look like act candidates. Uh, we also had uh, today uh, Peter Dutton uh, conduct a press conference in Perth that day. A Chinese uh, warship uh, with uh, intelligence capabilities. Uh, was a off the the coast of uh, Western Australia near uh, Exmouth. It wasn't in Australian waters, uh, but Peter Dutton basically implied that this is, you know, they're they're not doing it to be friendly. It's uh, a type of uh, provocation, and uh, many uh, suspected this could be another desperate uh, tactic of. Uh, well, the coalition and, and Peter Dutton, uh, what is that, uh, October surprise uh, type uh, type tactic, even uh, referring to 
in US presidential elections where there's an October surprise twist. What does he call this? Uh, what is it? Uh, it's more called in Australia like a Tampa moment when the Tampa flipped the election for John Howard in 2001. But Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. it, the ship was in the economic zone, though, I understand, which is a little different to Australian territorial waters. Yes. So... It's yeah. It's not. It's not. It didn't violate our our maritime borders, but uh, and like these sort of freedom of navigation exercises go on uh, all the time. We had uh, is it uh, yes yesterday in Tasmania, a former Australian High Commissioner uh, to the Solomon Islands tried to what is it gate crash Scott Morrison's uh, press conference there. He was less successful than Kim Jong and was uh, moved away by Prime Minister's AFP security. That's a bit insulting, isn't it? <laughs> Being a former High Commissioner, though, it's a very, very tiny country. Yes, like, it's not like he was, you know, um, it's not like being the, the, the High Commissioner uh, to... <laughs> to the United Kingdom, for example. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be a story. <laughs> now we this also... guy will be outraged. He's been a big fish in a small pond for so long, and mm. now he finally got a bit of perspective. And now we should also make mention of the, the final uh, leaders debate on, on Channel 7, uh, which, well, uh, was conducted, what is it, much more sort of... Uh, uh, it was much more tame, let's put it that way, than the, the the Channel Nine great debate on Sunday night, where they they talked over each other and the the moderator Sarah Arbo. I noticed that uh, uh, Channel Seven, when the the countdown clock was when like when their their time ran out to answer questions, it had like a the game show countdown there, and a lot of people saying, "Well, this is like an episode of the the Chase." <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's I. It makes for a better debate if you can prevent um, the sort of um, talking over each other for the viewers. As a participant myself, though, as a participant myself, there was there was it was considered a good uh, skill to be able to just get a, a quick um, one sentence barbon um, without um, hurting the flow of the debate and. Um, we would frequently try doing it so that, that we could put the candidate off and change um, the direction that they were going in as well. Um, I don't I don't think viewers appreciate that as much as um, politicians do. Though. Yeah, I thought the, the the nine debate was much more entertaining when they like stick to the talking points. It's it's so boring, uh, and of course a. Uh, Mark Latham, uh, he uh, well caused uh, a lot of outrage by tweeting during the debate, "Never trust an arbo in something as important as that." Uh, which <laughs> even Sky After Dark uh, presenters uh, believe that he he'd uh, what is it? Uh, it made a, a racial slur. And Mark Latham, he hasn't backed down or apologized or deleted the tweet. In fact, he tweeted before the Great Leaders debate on Channel 7, who's chairing the debate tonight? Hopefully someone with a surname that doesn't lend itself to double entendres, and he does the side-splitting laugher emoji there. <laughs> oh, 
it's hard to know whether that was a genuine typo or not. Um, Latham is. Well, he didn't delete it, so no. you can only conclude that it was uh, intentional uh, there. But uh, what is it? Uh, I, Mark Riley, the uh, Channel Seven, uh, the Channel Seven political editor, was the moderator. He made sure that uh, uh, the leaders didn't get too Rileyed up. <laughs> Oh, that was very well. That was very well done. That tweet. And now it's before the seven debate. Uh, oh, Albanese was accused of a gaffe when he when he said, oh, "Do you support uh, wages keeping up with inflation? That uh, uh, minimum wages, those on low wages, should have a uh, should have a a pay rise uh, that uh, of one point." Uh, 5.1% that keeps up with inflation. And he said, absolutely. Uh, but then he said, oh, it's a, like the Fair Work Commission uh, makes these uh, wage decisions independent of government. So he's basically saying it's the uh, way I interpret it. It's an, uh, of course, it's an aspirational uh, target uh, goal that uh, 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 people's wages keep up with the, inflation uh, rate, uh, so they're not becoming net poorer. Yeah. Um, I mean, that could have gone quite badly if um, they were able to tack on um, accusations of increasing the minimum wage by that amount. But um, essentially, he's got no power to lift wages anyway, aside from... Well, the, the ACTU, uh, which is their, their, their submission to the, the Fair Work Commission, which, of course, backs Labour, is wanting 5.5% increase to the, the minimum wage. But, uh, of course, in these, these economic uh, debates, um, none of the leaders want to actually admit that the only way to uh, stop the inflation and the, the wages inflation spiral that happened in the, the 1970s is to just jack up interest rates. And so there's an economic reset. Uh, this is what uh, the Austrian ec uh, economists uh, behind me say that when uh, there's a, uh, a reset, uh, by getting, it gets rid of the, the malappropriation of capital and then it goes to where it should be going and the productivity business growth is much more, it is directed much more to where it should be to increase living standards. I'm not sure if you're an Austrian uh, uh, economics adherence like Douay or you're more Chicago sympathetic. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't be able to, um, accurately label myself one or the other but um, interest rates certainly would have to be part uh, increase in interest rates certainly would need to be part of a reset in the economy uh, yes um, it... and increasing the minimum wage um, so that the price of labor continues to exceed uh, what people are willing to pay for it is only going to fuel further inflation anyway uh, yes uh, I am advocating for a type of, of great reset but a good great reset because that's the only way to 
in- crush uh, inflation. And of course, none of the leaders are going to say yes. Uh, the cure is uh, 17% interest rates like there were in the, the 19, uh, early 1990s uh, recession. There is no way that a, a prime minister of today would uh, say what Paul Keating did in 1992. This is the recession that we had to have. Yeah, I, I want a 1980s uh, Great Reset, actually. I think that was fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, Paul, Paul Volcker, who was the, the head of the Federal Reserve at the, the time, well, he's the last Federal Reserve who actually crushed the uh, inflation uh, genie, uh, got rid of the age of Aquarius, of the stagflation of the 70s, and it was a Great Reset with the, well, the, um, yeah, the, the, the roaring 80s. Though I I recall um, in the 2011 election in New Zealand, interest rates were around 8% and the national government was taking credit for that because people were making uh, more money by uh, saving uh, saving in the bank and investing. So, And again, it's actually something that governments largely have no control over. And I know that, uh, was it, Lady of Shallad says, uh, eat uh, the bugs. No, that's not uh, what we're advocating with this type of economic reset. It was um, reassuring that uh, Albo said that one of the reasons uh, inflation uh, was so wicked is because uh, families could no longer afford uh, steaks. They had to settle for uh, mincemeat. So I'm glad that uh, Albo uh, believes that families uh, being able to well afford and consume steaks is important, that he's not on board with uh, eating the bugs. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a commentator on Facebook yesterday criticizing, uh, criticizing capitalism over um, the great waste of avocados in Australia at the moment because... Um, it's actually less economical for farmers to uh, try to sell them at lower prices than it is to just dump them right now as there's such a surplus to supply with all the cafes, et cetera, having not traded over the last couple of years. And um, he commented that, you know, capitalism results in great food waste. Um, But I put to you, go to a socialist country and there's no food waste because people eat rubbish. And now... Around uh, Australia, but especially in Victoria, uh, there's a a healthcare uh, crisis. And no, it's not because of uh, COVID uh, infection rates and uh, hospitalizations. It's basically because uh, during uh, the two years of lockdown, uh, a lot of Australians uh, deferred care. They got more sick because they, well, they weren't. Uh, didn't feel that they could, what is it, exercise, uh, didn't have a good good diet. So there's this, uh, Australians have gotten sicker over the past two years. People have deferred uh, care because they thought that they couldn't go to a doctor or or hospital during lockdowns because the the hospitals were were overwhelmed. And so now it's a a perfect uh, storm now. And so there's been a few emergency physicians who have either quit, or, uh, there's one who's quit and there's one who's taking uh, three months off. Uh, the EDs are clogged at the moment and also, which means that there's a lot of ambulance ramping. They're declaring a code orange every week, uh, which is it's different from a code red. 
and yeah there's uh victorians who have died waiting for ambulances and now there's uh, a little girl who who died uh because she didn't get proper emergency care at uh, Monash uh, Medical uh, Hospital. And you see the headline there, uh, our health minister Martin Foley blames the federal government's deliberate welfare neglect for hospital woes, even though the states run the hospital system. Uh, Dan Andrews's government has been in power for uh, eight years and yeah what happened to the because apparently they can't be moved out of the ed because there's not enough hospital uh beds in the wards what happened to the four thousand icu beds uh 4.3 billion dollars dan andrews promised at the beginning of the pandemic uh, how do we know that 12 billion that he announced in extra funding for the health system is going to actually make a difference oh and i i suspect that it won't at all because um the issue with the public system is that it's uh fundamentally um, treats patients as an expense rather than an income. So you can throw all the money you want to at it you like. It's not going to um, have the same impact as it would in a system in which um, hospitals are actually incentiv financially incentivized to um, take patients. Yeah, so it's clear the what is that uh, advice at the moment is is don't get sick uh, because you'll end up. Uh, waiting at the emergency for hours and yeah well it's also there's long waiting waiting times to get a GP appointment specialist appointment uh, that uh, part of the, the healthcare system is is also uh, clogged a lot of that due to uh, deferred care uh, because of uh, the, the COVID lockdowns and this again it's so stupid for uh, some experts calling for restrictions to ease the burden of the hospital. That was just defer more care. Yeah, yeah, it's just going to um, push it down the line to become a bigger problem later. Uh, my, it takes me between one and two weeks uh, to get uh, an appointment with my own GP, though I have a backup anywhere. Um, in terms of specialists, I had to wait five months um, to book a specialist, booked them back in December, and um, only finally got to see them last month. So, um, yeah, that's that's third world rookie sort of stuff. Eh? And uh, Martin Foley this week, he basically admitted that he hadn't rant, read uh, the review into uh, Victoria's triple O uh, system and like you're supposed to be the minister and you haven't even read like the report. Couldn't even get someone to read it to him. <laughs> Uh, but uh, thankfully, the, the Dan Andrews government is uh, focused on, well, more important uh, pressing issues, and that is the current uh, swastika epidemic that uh, we have in Victoria, uh, according to Anti-Defamation Commission Chair uh, Devere uh, Abramovic, uh, who has uh, been lobbying, and uh, uh, there's now a, a bipartisan bill before the Victorian uh, parliament to ban the public display of the Nazi uh, swastika. Uh, it's under the, uh, and if a person is caught uh, doing that, they can get 12 months imprisonment or a $22,000 fine. Uh, this was the, the Nine News uh, report on uh, this announcement. 
Landmark legislation making it illegal to display the Nazi symbol of hate in Victoria has been introduced to state parliament. Jewish community leaders have told Stephanie Anderson it sends a strong message that neo-Nazis are not welcome here. In a field or on a flag, in any form, it's highly offensive. And now Victoria is one step closer to outlawing the Nazi swastika. It's a thunderous blow to the solar plexus of the neo-Nazi movement here in Victoria, who would love nothing more than to put people like myself in the guest chambers. Last month, one group boasted about celebrating Hitler's birthday in a Docklands beer hall and posted photos of the symbol iced into a cake. Anti-Semitic incidents have increased 37% year on year compared to last year, and that's across the whole of uh, Australia. The neo-Nazis have weaponized the Nazi swastika, you know, and for Holocaust survivor to see a Nazi swastika graffitied or vandalized it is as threatening as being faced with a gun. But if legislation introduced to Parliament today is passed, public display would be against the law. That includes on private property where it can be clearly seen, on clothing and as graffiti. It won't apply online and exceptions would be made for museums or educational use. But anyone found guilty would face fines of up to $22,000 or 12 months behind bars. The ban couldn't come quicker. The laws also aim to clearly define the difference between the Nazi symbol and this swastika, a traditional sign of good fortune that dates back thousands of years, recognised by the Hindu, Buddhist and Jain faiths. Swastika means peace. Swastika cannot be a symbol of hatred. Some people draw it clockwise, some people draw it anti-clockwise. No matter what, it still belongs to us. It will have the added effect of actually making sure that there is, people are clear on the distinction. This is a war between good and evil, and we have to win this war. Stephanie Anderson, Nine News. Um, well, banning uh, political sy uh, symbols is an act of evil as far as I'm concerned. So to see a government passing a law um, to ban the public display of the swastika, I think is um, absolutely abhorrent. And why not ban all uh, offensive uh, political symbols? I mean, why not ban the, the hammer and sickle? I mean, that killed a uh, hundred million uh, people in the 20th century, uh, way more than the Nazi ideology. Why not ban the, the ISIS uh, flag as well? And the Attorney General uh, Jacqueline Symes, uh, she uh, said, "We we won't. Uh, we don't." Uh, we're not we're not ruling out banning further neo-nazi symbols so i don't know are they going to ban hitler mustaches uh from being uh displayed or uh graffitied i mean and and the fact are they that ban number 88 yeah 12 months uh jail for a, a, a for drawing a symbol i mean that's a a huge penalty Mm, and I see there's some comments there mentioning the um, Z, which has uh, become a symbol supporting the Russian army. Um, I remember watching Zorro as a kid and he would slash Zs into things. So the context is uh, not being taken into account here either. But in, in any case, we shouldn't be banning any political symbols, um, even if it's one that's so clearly unpopular, such as the swastika. Um, and you've pointed out the hammer and sickle, or what about the uh, red star or the stars on the Chinese flag um, yeah. ideology, which is still um, uh, oppressing literally over a billion people every day. 
And uh, it now this uh, ban it uh, it comes into effect a year after the legislation passes. It hasn't passed yet, so it won't come in until midway through 2023. Uh, though some uh, local uh, Nazis, they're already going for a, what is it, last hurrah. Uh, but uh, two of them were caught uh, posting uh, swastika uh, stickers in Caulfield, which is in a Melbourne where lots of uh, Jewish people live. Two accused neo-Nazis have been arrested for posting up to 50 stickers of Nazi symbols on buildings around Caulfield just a day after legislation was introduced in state parliament to make displaying the symbols in public a criminal offence. Victoria Police is disgusted by this behaviour and will not tolerate it. Hate symbols cause anxiety and pain. The pair will face court in August. So they, the law hasn't come into effect, but they've been arrested for that act anyway. Um, it doesn't say specifically what they've been arrested for, but um, um, vandalism, surely. Facing uh, public property, yeah. Yeah, so there's already laws against the most offensive uh, application of these symbols, so let's keep enforcing those laws. And I think that they're the first two to actually get caught uh swastikering in public i mean there's been numerous swastikas appearing in public in uh victoria over the past two years uh, but uh, these are the first two to get actually caught um it seems to me that uh well uh seven news they also uh, did this piece on uh, victoria police's critical incident response team which i assume are going to go after these uh swastikas here uh forget about uh you know uh more efficient funding of their uh, healthcare system this is what's important here yeah. a secret training facility for victoria's elite police squads has been described as a law and order game changer the 60 million dollar center helps our top police prepare to take on the most dangerous criminals these are some of victoria's toughest police officers brave and highly skilled. Now, the Special Operations Group, the Critical Incident Response Team and the Bomb Response Unit have a new training facility worth almost $60 million, the state government investing more than $33 million. Our top cop describing it as the best in Australia. They can come here and train in what is a world-class facility. For us, it's a game-changer, it really is. Previously, where we had to travel interstate and overseas to maintain our uh, mandatory skill sets, uh, this facility means that we don't have to spend time travelling. Seven News was invited behind the scenes to see just how advanced the training is. A facility so top secret, we can't reveal the location. Here, members from the SOG are training as though there's an active shooter inside a major Melbourne shopping centre or down Burke Street Mall, preparing for the very worst. The reality is the counterterrorism threat hasn't gone away. Officers, both men and women from the critical incident response team, train here, so they're ready to face the most dangerous criminals. What we will ensure through this facility is that we have the best trained, the best equipped police officers in, in the country. And then it gives the operators uh, opportunity to work on their tactics, techniques and procedures. 
I really just looked up to um, the, the crew at CERT and the jobs they do and the work they do. I guess the name they have within the organisation, they're pretty well respected. Although this is a training drill, it's real life situations like this that our most elite operators often face. In this situation, the priority is to get the hostages out safely. The best of the best train here and they will be training at that level to ensure they are the best of the best. A message to women considering joining the CERT team. Just have a crack, like, you've got nothing to lose. Cassie Zervos, 7 News. And we saw some of those uh, special ops uh, CERT teams uh, on the streets of Melbourne uh, to crush the week of rage protests uh, during lockdown in September 2021 last year. So we've seen, well, we've only seen them in action there. Yeah, I was wondering, didn't they get enough practice during the COVID protests? Um, I mean, I, I've got no issue with having highly trained police officers because it's actually a legitimate role of the state uh, to defend the rights of the citizenry. Um, but unfortunately, uh, this government uses its police to actually violate our rights, um, as they did during the COVID protests, and as they're about to do by banning political symbols. Um, so it's partly frightening to see the police with that sort of capability, though if we had the right sort of government, then that would be the ideal thing to be doing with them. And I'll, I'll reaffirm my point that how come there's uh, endless uh, streams of, of money for more militarised police, extra uh, police to uh, patrol uh, playgrounds and, and to, to check... Uh, people uh, outside of home for only legitimate reasons, uh, but apparently that's uh, that that somehow can't uh, be invested in actual uh, public health. Like in Victoria, the past two years, we had a police state response, not a public health response. Yeah, 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 and uh, and the way that the uh, role of the police is being um, uh, warped. Uh, from protecting us from actual harm to uh, punishing people for simply expressing themselves outdoors is quite obscene. And now, uh, well, similar to uh, Victoria, uh, despite uh, there being uh, endless uh, promotions of uh, multiculturalism and uh, Maori uh, rights, apparently racism is still a huge problem in New Zealand, well, according to apparently. the party. Yeah, well, um, actually, to David Seymour has found himself labelled a useless Māori by the Māori Development Minister, Willie Jackson, um, which is quite an appropriate first name for him, I think. Um, David Seymour released X alternative budget a few days ago. Um, the New Zealand government's doing uh, releasing the budget next week. In that budget, um, he's wiped out a number of demographic ministries, such as uh, the Ministry of Ethnic Affairs, the Human Rights Commission, uh, the Ministry of Māori Development, uh, Ministry of Women's Affairs, uh, every stupid demographic uh, ministry you can think of uh, this Act alternative budget proposes uh, eliminating. And as David says, well, as we've already got ministries in place that can do things to protect women and children and Māori um, just through their own processes. We don't need uh, particular ministries for particular types of people. Um, so, and 
David Seymour doesn't bring it up himself, but he is actually part Māori. His whakapapa is from uh, uh, Naitahu. Um, so now that's actually meant that he's been getting even worse abuse uh, from these politicians that advocate for separatism and co-governance in New Zealand. Um, the Māori Party co-leader um, Rafferty has actually labelled Seymour as being worse than Don Brash because unlike Don Brash, Seymour has Māori whakapapa. Um, but that's not all that's apparently racist in New Zealand. Um, the Labour Party's immigration policy, which of course I disagree with, I think we should be welcoming as many migrants as possible into New Zealand. Right. However, they've, cho they've, yeah, they've chosen um, to focus on importing high, highly skilled migrants back into the country. Um, this has outraged uh, Green Party idiot Ricardo Menendez March, or uh, Ricardo, as I like to call him, who's claiming that the desire to have high skilled migrants in the country is actually racist and is a white New Zealand policy, um, which actually I think says a lot more about Menendez March's view of non white people. Yeah, than that, that sounds like a migration a policy. By, like we have in Australia, most of our, a lot of our skilled migrants come from uh, India and uh, Asian countries. I mean, like... Absolutely. Same thing in, in New Zealand as well. Um, and, I mean, there's also, they're also trying to uh, minimise low-skilled migration, which is also being called racist because apparently uh, low-skilled migrants are largely not white um, but uh, I, th I think that just demonstrates that this Greens MP is an absolute racist in himself. Um, but that's not all. That's not all, because everything is racist in New Zealand. Um, the Tauranga by-election, which um, is being held in June following the resignation of National MP with Māori whakapapa Simon Bridges since 2008, um, is, so that... Sorry, I almost lost my track of thought there. So that by-election is being held in June. Um, Tauranga has had a Māori MP from 2008 to now, and it's also had one with Winston Peters, who was who was the New Zealand First Leader uh, up until the early 2000s from, nine, uh, from the 1980s. So Tauranga has virtually always had a Māori MP. Um, the Māori Party has stated that they will not be contesting the Tauranga by-election uh, because the president of the party says that um, it is not safe for them to campaign there. Uh, the race card will mean that Māori will be used by some as a political football and we're unwilling to expose our people to that rubbish. Um, and his initial comments actually labelled the Tauranga electorate as being a hotbed of white supremacy as a result of uh, one person being um, successfully found guilty for hate speech uh, last year. That, that is an even more uh, ridiculous uh, statement than anything Devira Abramovich uh, here in Victoria has said. But is that one of the other things that he said that uh, there's so many swastikas in uh, Victoria that next there'll be a you know a neo-Nazi parade down Swanson Street. <laughs> well, the other interesting thing is that um, Tauranga 
Uh, New Zealand has seven Māori seats, if some people aren't aware of that, in which you have to have some Māori heritage to vote. Uh, so the seats that the Māori Party holds, which is Waiariki, um, actually includes the Tauranga General Electorate within this Māori seat. So essentially, they've just gone and shit on the voters that um, got the Māori Party into Parliament in 2020. Well, we have a number of uh, racial uh, activists in our uh, sporting codes as well. And uh, on the weekend, uh, one of the netball's uh, biggest uh, racial activists has actually been exposed as a big hypocrite. So Liz Cambridge, who's a former, oh, sorry, she's basketball, basketball, sorry. Uh, she's a former Opal's captain. Uh, of the the national uh, women's side, she 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 uh, protested for uh, Black Lives Matter uh, during 2020. She's half Nigerian, uh, but during an altercation uh, with the uh, Nigerian uh, national team uh, just before uh, the Opals uh, played at the the Summer Olympics in in Tokyo, she says she uh, withdrew. Uh, due to, uh, what does it say here, uh, mental health reasons. But it turns out it, that uh, she uh, said uh, to, uh, to the, uh, to the uh, Nigerian uh, national team players, uh, go back to your third world country. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, so uh, this uh, was uh, revealed on uh, the the Insiders uh, uh, program. Uh, sorry, Outsiders program. Uh, so had uh, the ex captain Jenna O'Hayon and uh, said that. Uh, uh, as a result, there was a brawl that erupted, and since then you haven't spoke to her. He replied, that's 100% correct, and uh, she said that uh, uh, she doesn't think she'll ever play for the, the Opals uh, again. Uh, but uh, what is it? Uh, there, of course, have been some defenders of her saying, well, it was just said in the, the heat in the moment. But uh, former uh, Boomer... Well, it is also a third world country. I'll give her uh, that. Former Australian Boomers uh, basketballer Andrew Bogut uh, rightly made the point, if I had said that, then I would have been 100% cancelled uh, there and then. I wouldn't have been protected for so long. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a double standard in place there. Yeah. Um... And uh, we've also had this, uh, this week former uh, Collingwood uh, Premiership player, uh, Heritreya Le Mumba. He used to be known at Collingwood uh, by his, uh, well, a Anglo name, Harry O'Brien, but he fell out with the, the club uh, beginning with uh, when uh, Eddie Maguire um, on his radio program said that Adam Goods could promote the uh, King Kong is uh, a show in in Melbourne. This was a few days after a a, a girl at an AFL game called him uh, an ape at uh, a Collingwood 
Sydney match. And so uh, Lumumba is, has now leaked uh, these, uh, these tapes, these uh, conversations between uh, him and uh, then-coach uh, Nathan uh, Buckley. Uh, now, the reason why he left the club in the end, uh, the, the trigger was, well, he was triggered uh, because there was a photo of uh, some of the Collingwood players with, like, all sort of slicked hair and that, and somebody graffitied it and said, off to the Mardi Gras. Uh, boys and he thought it was you know homophobic language and the, basically the club cracked it and was like you know we've tried to be you know accommodating reasonable and so he left and finished his career with melbourne so he's been the the ultimate uh you know uh racial uh victim in the the afl i mean the fact that he changed his name back to well um I should uh, make make sure I get it right. Uh, his uh, ethni- ethnicity. He is uh, half half Brazilian. Uh, I know that. You just want to get get this right. Yeah, because you dare not want to uh, get any of these these wrong. So yeah, he is. Uh, a Brazilian, and uh, he is also, uh, well, his uh, ancestors came from uh, Angola and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So he's, uh, what do you say, uh, African Latin American who settled in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, yeah. Good, good, oh, yeah, good um, yeah, I'm not sure if he. I, de- I, I think he still identifies as a as a male. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Yeah, we we did have agreement from our uh, leaders during the nine debate about the definition of uh, a woman, and Albo has said that uh, uh, men can't get pregnant, so uh, Albo's not woke and he supports meat eating. So he's presenting himself as a safe uh, pair of hands there. Maybe it'll be an improvement on Julia Gillard, who um, painted herself as a victim all the time. Although Julia Gillard, she's uh, much more gracious uh, in retirement than uh, Kevin Rudd <laughs> and uh, Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, Kevin Rudd during a uh, a live cross uh, when he was being interviewed by Simon Love of Sky News. Uh, he was uh, alongside uh, the Labour uh, candidate for Higgins. And I must make sure that I pronounce her name properly. Dr. Michelle uh, Anada Raja. Because uh, he he asked Kevin Rudd what about her, uh, her, her her previous undermining of the AstraZeneca vaccine, he just said, "Oh, it's a Murdoch uh, hit piece there." Even though, yeah, she was uh, one of the uh, contributors to why a lot of uh, Aussies didn't want to take that vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm living proof that it was safe. Well, so am I as well. I mean, and it's now coming out now that uh, most of the uh, uh, most of the adverse reactions have come out of the the Pfizer uh, vaccine. We had we also breaking news this afternoon. Moderna have applied uh, for their vaccine to be approved for six month to six year olds. 
Hmm. So, can, so some infant uh, Moderna is before the TGA. Well, thank you, Stephen, for joining me once again. Uh, please plug your show again. Um, so the Stephen Inquisition starts on Tuesday at 7pm Melbourne time, 9pm New Zealand time. Um, anybody feel free to email me at mrberrymrberrynz at gmail.com if you wish to be interviewed about any topic whatsoever. Um, and I'll be grilling those who do put their name forwards for whatever they wish to talk about and we'll see what happens. You could have uh, uh, Filthy on the on the show. Uh, he does his uh, Filthy's Corner News and Comedy. You could interview him about his views and his time in, in prison, though uh, could get your uh, Mr. Berry uh, channel uh, a strike. You should all uh, subscribe to it as well as uh, the Unshackled YouTube channel. Make sure you click the bell to allow notifications because YouTube plays uh, tricks. So we had a pretty good audience uh, for tonight. Thank you to everyone who joined us in the in the in the live chats uh, for another great interactive show. We also have uh, Andy Nolch, uh, the space cowboy. He's uh, back in Australia. He's going to be joining uh, me and uh, Margot Huss uh, tomorrow to cover the Sack Them All uh, Freedom uh, Rally in the the Melbourne CBD. Uh, Andy is going to be launching the Knowledge Report and. Uh, also, uh, Margot Hashi uh, may be launching her own show uh, with a, a, a Christian uh, bent to it because there's basically only really been uh, unshackled uh, productions in the, the alt media uh, scene since the Uncuckables, uh, XYZ Live and Dear Beltran Live ended. So uh, it's good that uh, there's going to be uh, hopefully a show every night. All right, thanks for, for joining us uh, again. Uh, I'll well make sure it will be live on the Unshackled's Facebook page. So that's where we'll be live tomorrow. And I'll be back on uh, the Wilmsfront channel, 8.30 p.m. Melbourne time, Monday evening uh, for another uh, Tim's News Explosion. Uh, good night, and everybody. I guess I'll see everyone at the election night live stream. Yeah. Oh, well, they'll also uh, see you next Tuesday as well. for the. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, thanks very much. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Trad Tasman Talk. To keep up with the latest real news and analysis from the Tasman Nations, visit theyoungshackles.net and rightminds.nz.